Like I'm gonna run around this hamster wheel as fast as I can all the time. Then I'm gonna take like a quick step off and kind of grab a drink of water and meditate for five minutes, but then I'm gonna jump right back on. Welcome back to the Empowered Leader Podcast. My name is Catherine, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Grant Gerwitz. Hi, Grant. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Of course. Grant and I connected through LinkedIn, and he is someone who spent almost a decade in the fast-paced world of digital marketing. A tech company is something I definitely have spent my fair share of time in tech as well. And he's someone who has experienced burnout and come back from it a couple times. So now he shares tools, talks about different strategies that he's used to overcome burnout. And I think this topic is so important, especially right now, as people are starting to think about going back to work. I read yesterday, there's a trending article on LinkedIn about people having anxiety about going back to work. So I'm really excited to have Grant here. Thanks again for agreeing to do this, Grant. It's been great to get to know you and and have you here. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think you're so spot on in that burnout really has been, I mean, I've seen it in a million headlines in the last couple of weeks and months here where for a whole multitude of reasons as people are experiencing remote work, as people are thinking about going back to the office, as people are trying to juggle work plus their life, of course. And now that for so many of us, that's kind of all meshed into one and the same as so many are working from home now too. So yeah, I'm excited to to jump in and talk about this topic that's really impactful and meaningful to me. And I know to to so many of your listeners. Yeah, for sure. I think your point about just how it's been so enmeshed, like we work where we live, (laughs) we live where we work. It's just like, how do we move forward? Cause like, we're definitely not going back to you know, a pre-COVID world. I think it's, I think it's brought attention to the fact that we've normalized burnout to a degree, especially in the tech world where there's that hustle culture and GSD gets shit. Like that's like embedded, that's in the DNA of tech. I'm excited to hear more about your journey. And I guess maybe starting off when you entered into your career, what were, what was like your mindset around work-life balance as someone new to the tech space? Was that even a thought in your mind when you first entered this world or, or was it just something you expected to kind of happen naturally? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess like going back to, I mean, the beginning of my career and like, even in college, like doing internships and being a student, like, like I've been used to, and so many of us have been used to like going to school, doing extracurricular activities, like doing things that like show up on a resume. Right. And like, that has just, I mean, from the time that like, like our parents send us to piano or soccer or whatever it might be like, like we've been resume building machines, I guess, like really (laughs) our whole lives um, for better, for worse. So I think, I mean, I I came from a place similar where, I mean, certainly through college, I was doing a full course load. I was doing lots of internships on top of that and trying to get that real world experience. And I mean, certainly that helped my career and helped me kind of land at a point to to land a a good job out of college in tech. So it probably wasn't something that was on my mind. And because of that, I probably started in and looked at people around me who were working hard and working long hours and kind of that, that true kind of nose to the grindstone sort of mentality. So of course, as a young impressionable employee in person, I mean, you, you follow the examples that are around you and the people who are senior to you, who 
are emailing at many hours of the day and when I know that they're technically on vacation and things like that. And you pick up on that and that leaves a really big impression for you as a young employee. Mm, Such great points. I think what you said about so many of us are conditioned from a young age to be involved and to not just go to school, but do the extracurriculars to get the jobs. And and that is something that stays with us throughout our entire education. And when we enter the corporate world, it's normal for us to be busy at all hours and and consumed with something. Your point too about how culture is so contagious and that these behaviors that we see. And I think I remember being really new in my career. It's it's like you you do look to those people for cues of like what's normal here. <laughs> do people come in right at nine? Do people come in at 830? Like all of those sort of unspoken rules are definitely a really big driving force of, of like how people on teams and in companies operate and what they think the expectation is and like what, what's necessary to get ahead. I think you look to those people and say, all right, what do those most successful people do? <laughs> and a lot of times they are the people working the long hours, checking in on their vacation. You mentioned you've got, so I know you've gone through a couple, two different waves of burnout. What was that? Talk us through like leading up to that first wave of burnout. What was going on in your life? And, and what, looking back, what do you think were some of the factors that led to it? Yeah, so I, I mean, as you said, so I've gone through kind of two, what I would call distinct waves of, of burnout for myself. So my first wave was, I would say, pretty typical for a lot of people and how they experience burnout from work, which was from overwork and basically poorly constructed boundaries around my work. So I was working long hours, taking those cues, trying to do all of these things in my career to to, to get ahead and show that I was valuable um, to the company. And then uh, outside of work, so in the moments that I did give myself outside of work, I was then reading books and listening to podcasts and doing all of this work to like better my career. So I'm a marketer. So I was listening just to help me kind of get that edge and really understand like how to become a better marketer. So I was working hard. I was working long. And then in that time off, quote unquote, I was still consuming things about marketing. So I was not giving myself time to really exercise or just unwind or um, work out um, to eat well, like all of those different things. So I think like that was kind of the the buildup essentially. And then I I, I worked actually at that time in in social media. So like I had whatever the fifth weekend in a row of kind of social media emergency, which of course is not really that big of an emergency on a weekend. And just like, I I was, I remember like distinctly, I I live in the Seattle area. So I was like in and around Seattle, like with some family, we're having a nice day. It was sunny, which is a a blessing in and of itself in Seattle. And then like, I, I checked my phone and like, just got sucked into this like major, again, what I now know was not an emergency, but felt like it at the time and just like totally derailed this nice afternoon that was happening. And that was kind of the, the, well, past the end of my fuse, but that was kind of, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think for my first wave where I was like, okay, something's got to change here. 
Yeah. I think it's so interesting how with time and perspective, you, you can realize what feels like an emergency. And I think we get conditioned, like when, when something pops up and I, I so recognize this in my, myself from, from past jobs, especially being in customer facing roles, you never really know what's going to happen when, (laughs) if someone's going to be angry or happy. And that kind of trains your body and your nervous system to always be on edge. And I remember feeling like I could never get, I just had that feeling with me constantly. Was your family who were you, who were with that day? Were they like, Hey Grant, what's going on? Like put your phone away type of thing. Or like, were people in your life noticing, noticing things that you hadn't really seen yet or felt yet? Well, I mean, I, I kind of pulled myself off and went to the side and like my wife and family, I, I remember, I think they kind of went off and did their own thing while I basically sat there and lost track of time as, as you do when you just kind of get sucked into the vortex of your phone and yeah. eventually met up with them later. And yeah, I mean, I think at some point, like those behaviors have just kind of become normalized, which is the the terrible part about, I mean, not just my story, but I think everyone's where like, I think we've all experienced something like that where like, Hey, we just know, like there are these moments where people are going to get kind of sucked into whatever it is that they're doing. So I, I think on top of that, though, like I, as part of like all the like marketing in phone consumption that I was doing, mm-hmm. like I, I, I kind of built out this routine for myself almost like where I was like reading like newsletters on my bus commute. I was like at, at night, I was like while we were watching TV, like reading blog posts and like doing all these or really skimming them. Yeah. Um, so I, like I think like a lot of those behaviors, like I normalized for myself and just like felt like I was getting a lot out of it and a lot of energy from it. But um, obviously that, that wasn't the case. And like, it was actually just draining me considerably. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it was more of you really having the personal realization. It wasn't necessarily outside folks or like, it was more of that internal knowing of like, whoa, okay, this has been the fifth weekend in a row. My family's off doing something. It's a weekend. This is like, something's not right here. I have to work on this. Exactly. And yeah, it, it's, it's totally a self-realization where it's like, Hey, like I want to have at least some semblance of control of my time. Right. And I want to be able to know that I have the ability to just kind of log off and, and do my own yeah. thing when it is my time on the weekend and things like that. So yeah, I yeah. think that that was, I mean, what ultimately actually then led me into the phase two of my burnout, which I can kind of talk through, which was really interesting and completely different from phase one where, so I, as we're talking about, like have this moment where like, okay, life needs to change. Like these behaviors aren't sustainable. So I I figured, started thinking about like, what do I need to do to kind of get out of this spiral and kind of break up with burnout essentially. So I kind of, I, I, I turned to what I knew, which was podcasts and books and all that, which what I knew of at that time. And what I turned to was a lot of the very kind of hustle culture, life hacks, like very bro centric sort of um, resources that exist out there. And obviously there are plenty of them. So I I started basically creating like the same habits for myself of like hyper consuming that kind of material all the time to the point where like I, I built out this really like manic web of like lifestyle and daily routines for myself and was doing the miracle morning where I was waking up at 5am and journaling and meditating and reading and doing some push-ups all before breakfast. Like amazing, like those sorts of things. I was like taking time to read during lunch. I was um, just like so focused on like, how can I 
improve my lifestyle. Like I tilted the scale so much the other way, but then of course something happened there too, like two major problems, even though I, like, I felt like everything was going well. I kept telling myself like, man, I just have like constructed this like master class of like uh, the way of living my life basically. Yeah. But of course doing that one is not sustainable at all. Like, like the way of eating, the way of working out, the way of just living, just those habits are not sustainable at all. Yeah. Um, which becomes really damaging. And then secondly is every time I would learn some new, like must have life hack that I like learned about, I was like, okay, I already have this crazy web <laughs> of life hacks basically that I've cobbled together. Now I need to like, like quilt or uh, stitch another one into my quilt essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then really like that, like all that time spent outside of work, um, trying to create this master lifestyle actually was kind of like the, the catalyst of what brought on that second wave where I was just like, just like, I, I'm not able to fix this. Like I, I'm yeah. reading all the things I'm doing, all the things that I think I'm supposed to be doing, but it's just not getting fixed. So that like, that was like the really tough moment for me. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> The way, like, I think we're so conditioned to be, um, like drawn to these, these experts and these influencers who have all the hacks and they, and they tell us their morning routines. And, you know, I think of like the bulletproof coffee guy and like Tim Ferriss, who've like made brands and careers out of like experimenting on their bodies and like having that that formula, right? And like the hack, like it, it sounds like this quick and easy thing. Um, and I was thinking about that the other day of just like how anyone trying to sell a hack, I feel like it's not a sustainable thing. It's not gonna work for everyone. And like, but it's so easy to see, like there's so much appeal. And especially when you're looking for solutions, it's like, well, of course I wanna go do all these things that these successful people are doing and bring them into my life. And, but that can become, it sounds like it almost became like your second full-time job out of, out of, out of work was like trying to optimize everything perfectly. And like having that moment of like, Oh wait, I'm not happier. I'm not feeling more rested or, or successful. Like something isn't 100%. And it's so, I mean, symptomatic of our culture, right. Where like, we are like the like Uber optimization, like, like quick fixes. Um, can I get it from my phone? Can I push a button and just like make yeah. magic happen from my phone basically? And like that, that's just not how life, at least in a healthy, like long-term, like vision, sustainable way works. <laughs> right. Right. So after you had that second moment where you kind of, you added these things into your life and you realized I'm not gonna be able to keep up with all of this. And this isn't actually making me feel better. What was it like? Um, what steps did you take after turning to all that advice? Like, how did you move forward from that point? Yeah. So obviously like I reached a point where I was like, okay, there was a whole lot to like, kind of like remove myself from and like figure out like, like what are my next steps essentially? So I, and I frankly don't even remember how I came across it, but um, the, the work of the blue zones um, is if you or your listeners are familiar with is basically a, a study from National Geographic of looking at, um, how the like longest lived and healthiest and happiest cultures from around the world have lived their life on a daily basis. And I came across mm. that work and it was basically like the complete polar opposite to like everything I'd been reading about in like this kind of, kind of toxic bro hustle culture way. And it just like, 
it, it seemed so obvious, but then it was like, why hadn't I been seeing this in like anything else I'd been consuming? So like mm-hmm. a lot of the, the things that they are doing are taking breaks and taking time to relax every single day. They're taking time to like build a sense of community. They're taking time to f- kind of find a purpose or something that um, brings meaning in their life. They're um, moving their body, but not in like a, like I go to the big box gym and do my very structured 60 minute workout a day. Like they're walking around town, they're gardening, they're doing all of these different things and uh, they're eating mostly plant-based, but they're, but they're also, I mean, they're eating what they want to for uh, kind of big cultural moments and, and celebrations and things like that. So it was really like, that was frankly, one of the most defining kind of pieces of work that I've come across in my life that has really helped me kind of start to string habits together for myself and kind of how I live. And for me, it actually started a lot with like eating and movement and a lot of like time outside of work that then eventually started to kind of snowball into helping me like build like more sustainable habits, both within Mm -hmm. work and outside of work. Because for me, like, as I look back, like that's kind of the defining moment. And what I've learned through all of this is that there, there are kind of two core things that like for me and I like what I've learned about now in my research is um, the, the two things that really cause burnout is like really poorly constructed boundaries around work, which was kind of like the reason for phase one of my burnout or wave one of my burnout. And then the other one is like just kind of low quality restorative or like low quality downtime outside of work. And that was like really what caused my wave two of my burnout. So yeah. like, and learning about the blue zones, like, I think like that was just like really helped to cement like, okay, there is a way out of this. There are, um, things that societies have been doing that people live to 100 and they're happy and they're healthy and all of this. And it just doesn't get talked about much in Western culture, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just hearing you explain that I'm hearing a lot of like, it's like that difference between, you know, the quick hack and the quick thing that might give you that jolt of energy or productivity or whatever, but, but like comparing and contrasting that to these blue zones that are much more focused on like longevity and the goal being enjoying the day-to-day and like what small things and small habits can you do that are going to lead to that longer term outcome that you're really looking for. Um, yeah. And, that, and that's really what I started to discover, right? Where it's like, okay, like I had been and many have been conditioned like, okay, I mean, life hacks are a very well-known yeah. term. Like yeah. they're just like quick little switches that you flip, right? And you figure it out. But I, what I started to realize, of course, is that like, it is really a long-term kind of pretty uh, comprehensive mindset shift to make where, as you said, like starting to think about how do you not just kind of treat the symptoms, but how do you actually look really holistically at like the cause of burnout? So yeah, the way, the way I think about it now is like, yeah, there's a lot of like good things that are out there kind of in the wellness industry that I think like are helping to in some ways treat burnout. Like, like there's a lot of great meditation apps, but I, I guess the way I look at it is like, like if you're working with six hours of zoom meetings a day. And you're like, Oh, but I'm going to taking five minutes to meditate in between one of those zoom meetings. And I won't get burnt out that way. Or like, I'm I'm not going to, not going to (laughs) crumble essentially by doing that. 
it, it's not exactly the right way to look at it. I don't think since it, it's basically saying like, I'm going to run around this hamster wheel as fast as I can all the time. Then I'm going to take like a quick step off and kind of grab a drink of water and meditate for five minutes, but then I'm going to jump right back on as opposed to just right. figuring out like, how can you like get rid of the hamster wheel essentially, and just start to operate on a more sustainable path that you can still do good work. You can still live a happy lifestyle, but you don't need to be running all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that question is so profound and is one that not a lot of people have the courage to ask themselves because it can feel so scary to decide like, like you talked earlier about how you found a lot of content through the toxic bro culture and hustle culture. And I can imagine, you know, as someone in tech, these are people that are familiar, like even like the people in your, in your company or team even may have those same ideas. Like, what was it like for you to to, to decide like, okay, this is not for me anymore. I'm going to just, I'm going to do things differently. Like that takes a lot of courage to be, to step in that new direction and to do something so counter intuitive to what everyone else is doing. What was that like? I know we've spoke a little bit about like being the first one on teams to kind of make those boundaries and do things differently. How did you start doing that in your work life? For sure. Yeah, it, it can be really difficult and it can kind of feel like stepping out on a, a ledge at first a little bit because, I mean, I guess what I found is that, I mean, most people, maybe not quite as, I guess, extreme as I had been kind of taking it myself, but I mean, everyone do I work with like exists in the same work culture that I'm in where right. like they, they see what people do and they see kind of like just what is implicit and sometimes explicit like expectations of like how you perform and act in that culture. So it, it can be tough, but I, I guess what I've found is that like very rarely are some of these things that we think are so important, like truly like explicit in how you're supposed to perform or how you're supposed to like do something at your job. Like very rarely is it explicit that like you need to be checking your email all the time. Very rarely is it explicit that like you need to be on call when you're on vacation. I, I think it's kind of an implicit pressure that we put on ourselves, which is tough mm. because I think there are um, many things from like top level, like management and even like governmental policy that can like step in to help this. And in, in some places is starting to happen. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of bravery to, I think, to be able to be really firm with yourself and those around you to say, like, when I'm off for the night, like I'm off, I'm not checking, like I'll get back to you tomorrow. Um, or I'm on vacation for the next week. I'm not checking my email and be very clear about that in my out of office message, as opposed to saying, I'll yeah. be checking email infrequently, since I think a lot of people do that. And then if they do and they respond, then people know you're there and they're going to take advantage of that. So there, there is a lot of importance on like what you can do as an individual, I think, to, to create those boundaries. And I mean, what I found is that if you're clear about them and you're realistic about them and you're not like taking advantage of like, the system basically people really respect that and like like I've had no problems with that I tell my managers like for the last four years like when I'm out you have my my phone number if you need to text me with some like uber emergency that's happening do so and I haven't had that happen once in four years so yeah I, it leads me to believe that like people respect that system right yeah no and I, I think your point about it being these expectations and pressure that we place on ourselves ourselves isn't always um, 
it's hardly ever communicated towards us like that. I'm sure that happens in, in some companies and in some instances, but so often I think it's that fear of, am I doing enough? Am I performing well enough? Like, am I doing it? If I am just, I'm not doing, I think we're so conditioned to just do, 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 do that. We can start to pick up these habits that long-term um, aren't actually helping us get ahead and, and lead us to burnout. And I think the point about, clearly communicating your boundaries is so important. And I think for anyone who manages people listening, like keep that in mind. Like if you're not explicitly telling someone the expectation, they might have their own perceptions. And like, it's important if you care about your team's mental health and burnout, like you can have a big role in saying and leading by example too, and taking some of these tips from Grant and Hey, I'm on vacation for the week. You have my phone number, but I'm not going to check. And like that can have an enormous ripple effect on the people around you. Yeah. And I would say, especially if you're a manager, like, like your direct reports are, I mean, they look to you as that kind of beacon of like how to act and, and just like how, how I should be existing day to day in my role. So I think like as an individual contributor, like there's certainly a lot of impact. I've been both a manager and an IC, um, and I think certainly as a manager, like the more you can be like very prescriptive and say, like, take your time off, do not check in, like, and, and make sure you give your people like the leeway and the understanding that that's what they should be doing is checking out and getting that downtime. Like, don't worry, we'll be here when you get back <laughs> sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, we're not, we're not going anywhere. Um, that's really important, but also like as an individual contributor, I think there's a lot that you can do. And I mean, I've had plenty of examples where like just especially in the last year where it's been a lot of Slack conversations with people where they're like, Oh, I'm taking tomorrow off. And then like, I always kind of give them a nudge of like, Oh, like, have you like, hopefully you're able to turn off your notifications and close down your apps. And like, I've had more and more people now, like, yep. Turned off my notifications. I'm not checking in. So there, there's a lot that you as an individual can do to kind of create that ripple effect too. And people catch yeah. on to the fact that, Hey, there is someone out there who is actually creating boundaries for themselves and taking time off and oh, hey, can still be successful in their role too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it's making me think about, I think you posted on LinkedIn maybe a month ago about you deleted, I think you just said you deleted Slack and and maybe your work email from your phone permanently, not just for vacation, but like you just don't have it on there. And then one of our mutual friends commented and said like, whoa, that's bold. I respect that. Like, <laughs> And I think that that's, um, it speaks to, you know, the ripple effect you can have when you, and, and I think it's so important to see these examples of folks who are still in the industry. Um, but they're, you know, they're doing these, these things that so many people don't even consider or like feel like is out of reach. But I think it's so cool to see um, you really leading the way and saying, here's what I've learned. Here's what I do. And, and it's helped me be able to manage my life and work and, and like avoid those burnout traps. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, any company like wants to think with a long-term lens, right? So the, by definition, thinking with a long-term lens, like you have to condition yourself for a marathon and not a sprint. The only way you can condition yourself for a marathon is to take care of yourself, take regular rest, to eat well, to do things that kind of let your mind unwind on a daily basis for sure but also take that extended time off on a regular basis as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like it's, even though it feels like you may not be able to sprint and accomplish as much like tomorrow, 
the what you're able to do by kind of being a little more methodical and kind of like going at a sustainable pace is to perform much better in the long run. And ultimately, like I found like have more success where you feel like you're truly making an impact in your role. And really, I mean, you, you're getting the fruits of those or you're, you're kind of getting the benefit where like, like you're still like able to get promoted. You're still able to um, find success in your role. You're still able to help mentor people. Like all of these different things I think are really important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think we talked earlier about how like, you, you know, you are someone who's still, I think there's this like sometimes this misconception and this notion of if I go become an entrepreneur, like then I'll have this balance. Like if I leave corporate, then like all my burnout and time management problems will just magically go away. And like as someone on the opposite side and like who is out of corporate, it's not true. You still have to like work on yourself and manage your time and set boundaries. And it's so, those will carry over no matter what your full-time job is. And so I just love that. Um, You're someone who's, who's in it and has found this way and is now sharing everything you've learned with other people. I think it's so important. Yeah. Well, and I think your, your point's well taken where like, I see a lot of these stories and like, I've listened to podcasts similar to this sort of conversation. Yeah. And then the end is kind of like, yep. So I left my corporate job and now I'm like doing my own entrepreneur um, dream of of some sort. Um, And it always like leaves me feeling a little defeated since it's kind of like, like I'm like, I've discovered there's a way within kind of the corporate America, which for a lot of people is kind of the enemy and everyone's trying to like get out of it. Um, but of course, I mean, there's a ton of benefit to having that sort of job. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you gotta, you gotta manage it um, yeah. a little bit too. And I mean, I, I worked with the real estate industry for a long time in, in uh, past roles and like real estate agents are, are a prime example of like, okay, I'm going to leave the corporate world and go into real estate so I can be my own boss. And just like you said, and whether it be that or entrepreneurship, like being your own boss is not at all the ultimate solve for like how to be, yeah. be managing your, your time and be totally in control of it. Yeah. Cause if you don't have that mindset within corporate, like you're going, it's going to be challenging to adapt. Like, I think you can have, I think what's what I'm hearing is it's like you change your mindset to like, how can I take control and, and like find what works for me rather than letting those implicit expectations and, and what I'm seeing around me really guide my behavior. And I think everyone has that opportunity to, to do that and to decide for themselves, like what's the environment I want to be in? How is it going to support me as a person? And some people might decide that's, going into real estate, becoming, you know, be starting their own company, doing whatever, but it's, you know, it's possible anywhere. Anyone can, can start to take these skills, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, it all comes for me back to those ideas of like, whatever it is that you're doing, like, how do you construct those really strong boundaries around your work and know when that work starts and when it ends? Yeah. Be really clear about that with yourself and, and those you work with. And then secondly, how do you make sure you're carving out enough, what, what I call high quality, like restorative time outside of work, where it doesn't necessarily mean you're like, like just sitting on the couch watching Netflix, like outside of work, you're doing things that like, like give yourself joy that give yourself meaning. And like, for me, like right now, that's gardening, that's kayaking, that's biking, that's walking, that's cooking, like those sorts of things that 
I wouldn't necessarily call relaxing all the time, but they help right. kind of bring meaning and bring significance to my life on a daily basis and help me kind of put my mind in other places and stop thinking about work and stop sitting in front yeah. of my computer. Yeah. Cause I think, um, you know, I've heard someone kind of describe it to me as if like rest, we, we think of rest as not productive, but sometimes it can actually be quite active. Like what you were saying in terms of that restorative rest that it, it allows you to use your brain in other ways. And I know for me, like cooking and, and doing things outside, it's like, you know, you get to use your hands more, not just typing on your computer, <laughs> um, or like being on a zoom, but like, it's, it's those things that you can kind of diversify how you're spending your time and what your brain is engaged with. And I think that, um, it's, it's not, you know, working 80 hours a week and then like being on your couch all weekend, like you can find that balance of those activities that, uh, may not have a direct like work output, but like it's productive to rest. It helps you, it helps your brain actually go back more refreshed and, and, and rested in that way. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, like I use the word restorative, like very intentionally since to, to your point, like I think relaxation, like has yeah. kind of a, a bad rap where it's like, okay, yeah, you're being lazy. Like why, why are you relaxing? But like, yeah. we need that time so desperately on a daily basis to be able to, to run the marathon. And yep. I, I, I use the tortoise and the hare analogy a lot, which is like, basically like, I mean, the, the age old tale of like the tortoise who's taking his time and or taking their time and, and really kind of going along the, the race um is going to win at the end because like they're being methodical and the hare who gets off and just starts sprinting real quickly like is going to tire out and um get passed up so i think like it's it's an age-old uh, yeah. story but i think it's so important for this conversation too yeah for sure for sure um Tell us a little bit about your new project. I know you just recently launched a website. You have a newsletter. Tell us a little bit about how people can connect with you and, and learn from you. Yeah, absolutely. So like, as I kind of went along my journey here, like, as I said, like I, I found like very little that existed in terms of like how to basically yeah. do what I spent three years of kind of my own burnout and then kind of building back from that. Um, and I didn't find anything that existed to help kind of tell that story. So what I, I've actually been writing a, a regular newsletter for a couple of years, loosely around this topic, but what I've actually just started um, to put forward now is what I call the practice of holistic burnout prevention, which is kind of this idea of a lot of what we've been talking about, which is reclaiming your time, which is um, working at a sustainable pace, which is uh, basically doing time-tested healthy habits, which, so not kind of falling into the, the life hack sort of things, but how do we learn from the people who have been living happily and healthily to hundred years old for centuries mm. and how like, like the blue zone. So how can we take a lot of the, the great work that, that has happened there? Um, but also still find success because I think like, yeah. obviously like we still want to find success in whatever that definition means to you. Um, so I've started, um, this holistic burnout prevention project, which is holisticburnoutprevention.com. And I write a weekly newsletter called Sustain, um, which basically dives into topics in this area about kind of from my journey and my research and what I've learned on how to keep finding that success, but also to recalibrate and really help to kind of change that mindset to 
help high achievers kind of find the tools and the courage to say no thanks to burnout from work. Love it. Well, I, I definitely think that your work is so important and it's great that I love that it's all just based on your own learnings and like gathering this data. And cause I think what you were saying earlier too, about, um, where you were turning for advice. Like, I think the content that we take in is so important and can really help shape our life experience. Like what we're checking on Instagram every day and Twitter and all these things. And so I love that you're taking the time to create resources like your newsletter, um, and the website to help people find this new path and, and like show them and really lead by example. So awesome. And I, I'm a newsletter subscriber and I love reading your stuff. So <laughs> yeah, love, love having you uh, reading it. And yeah, I just really appreciate the, the time to have this conversation today. And I, like, I know this is such an important topic and I, I, I hope like I can, I just want to see a world where burnout from work doesn't exist and it doesn't have to exist. And, and that, that's really kind of my drive and my mission for doing this work now. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. I'm, I'm with you as someone who's been at burnout and back from it. Um, it's too common of an experience. And I think that we can really make that change. So thank you again for your time. It's been so lovely to chat with you and I hope folks connect with you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me.